right, everybody. So we are back here with Game of Thrones House of the Dragon. My name is James. Go by James the Third on all social media platforms. And unfortunately, Ender is not able to be with us the last couple episodes of House of the Dragon. So we tapped in someone from the bullpen here. Uh, we've got Jason, a.k.a. Fire the Cannon with a one in the fire. And he is the host of our uh, newly added podcast, the 614 and Beyond, kind of covering all of Ohio sports and my beloved Blue Jackets, of course, who can't seem to get a win. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're excited to have you um, definitely filling in and stepping in for these last two episodes. And, you know, I was super thankful to find out you were into the show as much as we are. But I'd love for you to um, kind of introduce yourself, tell a, our audience kind of what you're about and what you do besides uh, just filling into for this podcast. All right. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, again, I am Jason, a.k.a. Fire the Cannon. Um, I do host the 614 and Beyond podcast uh, here in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, we talk about local sports. We, uh, you know, in the past, we've talked about pretty much anything, um, you know, related to the 614 is our area code. I'll go ahead and throw that out there now. So the 614 is our area <laughs> code in Columbus. Um, people are probably listening like, what is he talking about? What's 614? Um, and, and funny thing is we actually just split zip codes too. We have a different zip code. We have a second zip code here in Columbus now. So um, it's kind of weird. So um, that's kind of where the and beyond came from. So we talk about stuff in Columbus, but we also talk about kind of outside of the, of the city and in Ohio and, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. So um, I'm, Blue Jacket fan through and through, as you can see by the, by the hoodie. I got my I got my customized Fire the Cannon hat on. So um, that's pretty much what I'm about. Sports all the time and try to watch uh, as much TV as possible when I can. I got a 12 year old, so it's kind of tough. Yeah, I get it. I got a I got a two and a half year old, so it doesn't doesn't get easy. Um, <laughs> so I guess let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it. We'll try to make Ender proud. Uh, this is his his baby here, but uh, you know. Season one, episode nine, this is called the green council. And of course it's going to go into kind of the small council and, and stuff. But as the episode opens up, we get this, you know, scene of this young kid, uh, right. He's, he's running through, as you said, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the red keep and Jason kind of walk us through on what you're getting out of this scene. Well, you know, when it, when it started, I like the whole quiet, you know, was there a piano playing, kind of sad piano music, and, and um, everything was empty. Um, you know, the throne room, they showed the small council room. And it was, I, I immediately kind of knew where they were going because of the ending of the uh, the previous episode, right? Uh -huh. I, well, I was assuming it was just kind of like a dark day, dark night, you know, with the, uh, exactly. with the, king, with the king leaving. So, uh, yeah, so we saw, we see the boy running out of the, uh, out of the room, and he's, you know, tearing through the halls of the of the keep and, and seeing blazing past uh, different, you know, I think one or two handmaidens, and then look like he ended up in maybe the kitchen or so. And then he runs up and he he tugs on the on the little lady's uh, uh, dress or coat or whatever she's wearing there and starts whispering in her ear. And you know, that's I was, I was my first thought was again, of course he's he's telling them that you know the king died. And then she had that kind of shocked look on her face. So it was, uh, yeah, that part kind of, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't take by surprise or anything like that. I just, I guess I kind of knew what was going on. What was going point. on. Yeah. I mean, as you kind of alluded to, this kid's probably part of the whole whisper, you know, chain, what do they call him? A spider 
I think is what they call them, the little the little spiders. Um, and he obviously he runs up to the handmaiden of the queen, which is Talia. I think it's Tal- Talia or Talia. And of course, um, we learned at the end of last episode that she is basically part of that network with uh, what they call the white worm, which was the uh, whore of Damon at the beginning of this whole thing. Now she's kind of running the 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 background scene of of uh, King's Landing, and she kind of knows right. all the ins and outs of everything. So obviously, we assume they're going to get tipped off tipped off about this. Now Talia goes, uh, you know, she does her duty. She goes straight to the queen's chambers, gets the queen up, lets her know what's going on. And she's kind of, you know, the queen starts sobbing. She's kind of just in shock because she, she left the king thinking he was just going to sleep as, as had been going on. And, you know, we as an audience got to see him kind of take his last breaths and it immediately cuts to this little back and forth where she's talking to her father, you know, the hand of the king and she's letting him know that he's dead. And then she's also, she says to him, uh, with his dying breath, I know this sounds crazy, but he wants Aegon to be king. Now, Jason, I know you weren't on the last episode with Ender and I, but we kind of broke down where it was very obvious that the king, at the end of the episode, he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra because he's talking about the dream, he's talking about the dagger, and when he says Aegon and he says you're meant to be prince, um, you know, a lot of a lot of other people have been breaking this down. A lot of a bigger official podcasts have been in screen crush have broke down where, where Aegon talks about the prince with Targaryens and, and the old language, uh, Valerian prince doesn't necessarily mean male. It could be male or female. So the king basically is saying, you are the prince that's going to unite. The king thinks that Rhaenyra is what Aegon was dreaming about. And it's okay that she's a female. But of course, Alicent is sitting on the side where the king doesn't have an eye. <laughs> so he doesn't. It's very convenient. So from Alicent's point of view, it definitely, she definitely is conflicted now because she thinks that the king, who was proven that she truly did love the king, she really did care about him. She, she for the most mm-hmm. part, is a good person. That she believes this is actually what her husband, the king, wanted. And she's trying to tell her father and he's trying to help her devise kind of a, a plan on what we're going to do now because this is going on. Now, of course, we're having this back and forth where Talia is in another room lighting candles, which we can only assume she's relaying to the white worm, to basically her boss, that the king has died. You got to imagine this is some sort of signal at this point. Uh, do you have anything to add on, on this little part here before we jump into the council meeting? Uh, no, I mean, did he even have lips though? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said, um, no, no, it's true. He, no, you're right. I've, I've read other people think that you know, maybe he was just delirious from the um, the milk of the poppy, mm-hmm. and you know, you're right, he was on you know, she was on the bad side of him, he could, could really see. So, I think there was a, a couple different things going into, into that where you know, he thought. You know, he was talking to Rhaenyra and and the whole thing. So, yeah, I think it's uh, that that part definitely um, kind of threw me off a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. is he is he delirious right now? Is is he you know is he? and then you know, of course, 20 seconds later, he's gone. So yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's interesting. Now, of course, here um, we've talked about these. It jumps right into the council room, the small council room. And you see one of those marbles get rolled across the table. And, of course, the Lannister, he grabs it. It's it's kind of funny. They've, we've kind of always wondered what these marbles were. And it, as the first two or three episodes went along, you kind of realize that basically it's kind of like Lord of the Flies. You have to have the conch or something to be speaking. And, you know, to even sit at the table, you've got to have one of these marbles and you put it in your little bowl. Um, right. So he gets there and he just thinks, you know, he makes a big joke out of it. He's like, well, what are we doing here in the middle of the night? You know, why are we here? The queen looks just completely saddened, heartbroken, scared, kind of all the same. Um, of course, it cuts away and you've got her father, the hand of the king, uh, is is off to her side. And uh, Sir Kristen Cole is off to the other side. And, you know, they basically say, Otto says the king is dead. And the Lannister guy just looks dumbfounded, like, excuse me, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, a lot of stuff happens in this episode. Uh, of course, this episode is, is very traditional, old school Game of Thrones. A lot of talking, but a lot of information kind of goes on. Uh, Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you to kind of let you break down this scene and your thoughts as, you, as you're watching this and what you think is going on. Um, I know some thoughts I'm going to jump in and add here a little bit, but but what are you thinking as we get to this small council here? Yeah, it was uh, like, like you said, it, it, you know, in the middle of the night and everybody's wondering what's going on and, and uh, the look on, on uh, the queen's face. I mean, it just, I, I was actually like, I mean, she looked physically distraught, you know, by the whole thing. And I think, uh, you know, she truly was, you know, she truly, after all these years, I think she was still definitely, uh, you know, loved King or whatnot. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and then you know, when when Otto um, kind of tells everybody, uh, yeah, it was Otto kind of tells everybody that um, you know, um, Viserys the peaceful is gone, and and um, everybody just kind of they're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like they knew he was gonna die. They just the way he pass peacefully yeah. it seems weird but i do like how otto says oh but he left us a gift because of course otto has always had his own agenda and he says yeah. with his last breath he impressed upon the queen his final wish for aegon to be his the succession is going to go to aegon he's going to be the king and of course the queen still looks defeated but but the rest of the room what do you what, what kind of sense do you get out of this, Jason? Is is this just Otto that's involved? I mean, there's a lot that goes on right here, right? Yeah, I think I think um, as the next couple minutes went on, you could tell it was kind of like typical kind of Game of Thrones again. Like you know, always somebody's always uh, um, looking for you know the better way. They're always conspiring and stuff like that. And then you know, come to find out that's that's what it actually was. And um, Allison and it was a Beesberry, Lord Beesberry. Mm. Um, they were the only ones that seemed to be unaware that the rest of the council were ready to handle their what what would what, what they would they say uh, their long laid plans or their handle the um, you know the secession plans. But yeah, they basically yeah. basically behind the queen's back that they had everyone gone along with Rhaenyra taking over a succession. The rest of the small council had already planned to put Aegon in charge regardless of exactly. what, what anything was no matter what the king's final wishes were regardless that now now of course the poor poor Alicent truly thinks the king wants this she's still under the the pretense that that this is yeah. what he wants and she's kind of now getting angry 
of course, that everyone was planning this. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, Beesberry got super offended <laughs> uh, and called for the, uh, you know, the plans to put Aegon on the throne instead of Rhaenyra theft and treason. And, uh, and that went well, out. didn't it? Oh, yeah. Of Jason, course it did. Would, <laughs> why don't you walk us through this? What, what happens with him here? Well, so obviously he goes on his little rant about how he's, um, how do you put it, six and 70 years old. I'm, I'm, I, was that mean 676 maybe yeah. in, uh, in, in that talk? The so. way he says it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it's, you know, not, it, it, he just kind of took it too far, um, suggesting that the king was fine at dinner and, and that maybe, uh, you know, somebody had taken him out essentially. And, yeah. and now it's regicide now. So, um, uh, Sir Kristen kind of crept up behind him when he wasn't looking and kind of sat him down a little too hard and um, <laughs> I believe just kind of cracked his skull on his own orb. Yeah, so he put that, that was, he uh, put his head in into the marble, which I thought was super iconic as much as Ender and I have kind of bounced back and forth. And it's <laughs> kind of like, like, again, I'm like, Kristen Cole, man. Within five episodes, this guy went to one of my favorite characters. Just a complete, like, bro. Yeah. She used you. You got laid by the by the princess. Mm-hmm. Bro, grow up. <laughs> now, uh, Jason, I know you haven't had the pleasure of listening to everything, but one of Ender's rules in Game of Thrones is when you are being questioned, do not give more information than to just simply answer the question. And he has preached this over and over and over. And of course, we get to that part where Kristen Cole admits to sleeping with the princess. But the, the time the queen wasn't even asking that. She just assumed it was Damon the whole time. Right. And uh, But since then, of course, you know, the, the queen saved Kristen Cole. And he always does things where he's like, says he's defending her. And supposedly, this is what he thinks he's doing here. Now, of course, the... the um, uh, the Lord, you know, the the commander of the... King's Watch, you know, goes over and he's super upset. He basically tells Kristen to put down his blade and it basically takes the queen, right? To convince him right. to do that. Now from here, uh, I find it interesting that they're kind of going back and forth on who's in charge and why we're getting this way and why we have to have this. Now, one thing I found it interesting is a few of the council members said, well, we should probably remove Lord Beads- Beesbury as we continue this. And Otto, Otto shuts it down, doesn't he? You know what? I'm gonna go back just a second. Yeah, um, go ahead. Can we can we talk about the no shocked reactions that uh, Kristen just pummeled this guy yeah. into the table, and everybody just sat there like, "Hmm, well, that was cool." Let's, uh, Do you think right, there's? Well, I mean, next. you gotta imagine that they're sitting there out of fear too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know you have you know I mean. I guess Kristen could probably wipe out the whole table in a matter of seconds, right? If he really yeah. wanted to. So, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he didn't even use a sword. He just basically pounded his head into the table and um, kind of showed how strong those little orbs were. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I find it interesting that, you know, um, Otto, Otto says, no, we will keep the door locked right. and we will sit here until we come to an agreement. Um Yeah. And then I found it interesting because what's the next thing Otto basically says that really throws the queen off? He starts talking uh, about Rhaenyra. Oh, right. So it sounded like he's basically just trying to, you know, he, he wants to take out the whole family, essentially. 
Um, at least that's what I got out of it. I mean, he basically said it without saying it, right? Um, yeah. Uh, basically, take out the you know take out the the king's daughter and you know, the whole the whole family and the brother and or his brother, her uncle. Um, and then when when Allison said she'll never bend the knee, that's that's when it was. She said, "Oh, you plan to kill him." Yeah, you know. And so it was just like, okay, well, fly off. And uh, he took he told um, Commander Westerling or ordered him to you know take off the Dragonstone and. Uh, and take make care it of quiet, them. make it clean and quiet. And everyone, you know, and, and that's when that's when the Lord Commander basically said, No, I'm, I'm I only serve the king, and there's no king here. So well, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, I find it very interesting. He basically rips off his cloak and he says, I only I am mm-hmm. here to serve the king, which makes me wonder. So no matter who, whether it's Rhaenyra, whether it's Aegon, at this point I'm thinking, okay, does that mean he's Lord Commander? <laughs> When there's a king, he'll come back. I'm not, but um, what he made it sound like. It's what he made it sound like. Yeah, um, you know, it's like his allegiance was just to whoever's king, and there is no king right now. So these people making a decision are just having their own. Everyone has their own agenda. Yeah. Um. So I just I I find it super interesting that, uh, but again, you can see that the, the queen this entire time, and as this episode progresses, doesn't want. She she wants her son to be king because she, from our point of view, she wants her son to be king because she thinks that the king, Viserys, really wants that. And all right. this is from a misunderstanding because the king thought he was talking to Rhaenyra because mm-hmm. Alicent has no idea about this dagger and this tradition that's getting, that's getting passed on. And right. she doesn't want to kill Rhaenyra. She doesn't want to hurt Rhaenyra. She wants her friend back. And... I think as this episode goes on, you're going to see this struggle time and time again. Now, of course, we go into the next scene. We go into uh, Aegon's uh, chambers because they go to look for Aegon, uh, his wife slash sister. Yeah. Obviously, they're Targaryen, so this gets very incestual. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says, you know, basically, where is uh, Aegon? And she's like, I don't know. And the queen tries to console her daughter, and she, you know, she never really wants anything from her mom. And then of course, Amond walks in and he basically, uh, you know, kind of tries to console his mother and, and he's got this look of like, screw Aegon, you know, for the most part. And he, I, I, I don't know, just all of a sudden this attitude of like, he could care less about his brother, which I, I've, it seemed like a big, I know they didn't get along, but it's a quick change where just on the last episode with the dinner conflict and everything, they seem to be on the same side. And now it's just like he doesn't he doesn't want his brother to even be there because I think he wants to be the one that is king. Yeah, well yeah. I mean he you know, later on I guess, later on in the in the show, I mean he kinda made that known to him anyway, to Aegon. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That 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 scene um with Helena um, it was kind of, I don't know. I thought the whole scene was kind of creepy. If you ask me, yeah. it was just some weird. Like she's almost like a, um, which one to call her? She's obviously weird. Yeah, she's, she's like Brand, where she her mom. <laughs> yeah, she she clearly has visions of the future. Um, you know, she talked about uh, um, the Amon Amon losing his losing his eye. He would he would have to lose his eye, and of course that came to 
to fruition. Now, mm-hmm. something here, she goes to talk about your father, and she's talking about the king dying. And she and Helena immediately cuts her off and says, there is a beast beneath the boards. And at the time, you have to assume, okay, that must be something that happens in the future, but obviously we don't know what they're talking about. And, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that as, as we go on a little bit. But straight from here, we cut down to uh, Otto goes up to uh, Sir Eric and he says, where's Aegon? And he goes, I, he's basically like, I, I don't yeah. freaking know, bro. Yeah, like know. he just does his thing. And, and Otto's like, but you're sworn to protect him. And Eric just says, well, his exploits evade me. Now, right. Otto, of course, basically tells him to take off his cloak, dress down get into the town, you've got to find him. And it's interesting here, and you don't really understand why Otto's being so secretive. He says, take no one else but your brother. So the two of them are going off in, into town, and and we'll see this back and forth here in, a, here in a little bit, and why Otto's doing this. But immediately from there, after that quick little insert, we get um, Rhaenys, uh, Princess Rhaenys, the queen that never was, realizes that she's locked into her room. She sees all this kind of hustle and bustle going on. She's yelling for the guard. No one wants to help her. And then, uh, again, this is another scene. It's, it's all that music you talked about in the opening sequence. It cuts over to the queen and you've got, or it, it cuts over. You see Laris kind of lurking around, but nothing's really being said. Then it cuts to the queen and a very similar sequence of what just happened with Otto. Um, Sir Kristen Cole walks into her chambers, right? And she starts talking about Eric knowing and that Otto is looking, is looking for Aegon. So she decides that she needs Aemon and Cole to dress down and go into the city and look for Aegon as well. So now you've got two different people uh, you know, you've got the queen and then the hand of the king sending out two separate parties to look for Aegon. Now, why do you think they're doing this separately and not together, Jason? What's your take on this? Oh, man. At, at first, I, I obviously, I, I thought, it, you know, obviously, her. I think she knows her dad is kind of kind of slimy, I think, at this point, right? Um, yeah. I think. Obviously, she, I think she's known that the whole time forever, but especially, you know, in, you know, when she found out that his, her dad was working kind of behind her back to install her son the whole time. I think that's when it all kind of, <laughs> I think that's when she said, okay, it's time to, you know, I, I need to, need to find my son before someone else does. Yeah. So whether, I don't know whether, whether she thought that they were going to, um, you know, take him and, and I don't know what I don't know what they were, what they were going to do with him. It, that that kind of like I said, that part kind of made me. I was like, what? Why are we? I don't know. Why? Why are we? Why are we doing that? But I mean, the, both outcomes, right? Like she wants her son to be the king, and they want her son to be the king. But they, they have, have very different. Life. They have very different agendas, and it's right. clear. Of course, we all know Aegon. He's very impressionable, and he's basically kind of. He doesn't even really want to be king, anyways. Um, but whoever gets to him first is going to be able to impress their what they want him to do. They want to out of him, right? They right. want out how, of him because they, obviously, him be king, yeah. yeah, because obviously, once he becomes king, they don't really, you know, you, you kind of lose your power that that both sides have right now, right? Otto and the queen have a lot of power right now because not very many people know the king is dead. Uh, they can kind of put their impression 
upon Aegon and how they want him to rule before he he takes over. So, of course, we see this and and Cole and uh, Aemon, they're going to go out. They're going to go look. And the first place you see Cole and Aemon, they start knocking on this door because they assume it's some sort of brothel or something, right? You assume. Mm-hmm. You assume. And this is this starts the the first sequence of dialogue where Eamon really starts to open up to Cole about, you know, screw this. Like, why are we even looking? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on kind of what Eamon's going with here? Yeah, I think it, it almost like once, you know, cause they kind of went down that, that road with the, uh, or the street and you could, you can kind of tell what, before they even got to the door where they were at, when you, you see the girl standing on the, against the wall and all you see is like the leg and the foot or whatnot. And you just kind of can tell, like, oh, they're, that's, they're going down to, uh, uh paradise city there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, and then when you kind of walking down to the door and, and, um, you know, he talks about on his, was his 13th birthday. I think he said that, yeah. you know, his, he took him to a brothel and, and, um, that kind of was like, oh, okay, yeah. So he was kind of, it's almost, it's almost like he, like, he didn't like the fact that I don't know. That's what I got out of it. Anyways, I was like, yeah, he 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 was trying to corrupt me at a young age. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then when they they finally get somebody to uh, answer the door, um, they you know they pound on the door or whatnot, and um, lady comes to the door and and uh, she basically says that Aegon hasn't been there in a long long time, and. Uh, so I don't. And then she also said that uh, what would she say? His, his tastes are known to be less discriminating. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which all right. It starts to it. make uh, you. It starts to make you wonder. Okay, what is? Where is he? If exactly. It's worse than this place. Right. Yeah. So if he's not, if he hasn't been there in a long time, and he has less discriminating uh, taste, where the hell is he? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And of so. course, we see Eric and his brother also asking a few people. Uh, so you start to get this back and forth of you see Eric and his brother looking for Aegon, and you see Cole and um, Aemon looking for for Aegon. So you start you start to get this back and forth. But of course, now we cut back to the Iron Throne, and you've got uh, Otto basically tells everyone you once bend the knee and swore your allegiance to Rhaenyra. And now the king wants Aegon to be the king. So we basically expect you to swear your allegiance for your house and bend the knee now to, to prove your allegiance. And Jason kind of walk us through this from your point of view. What do you see? kind of happening in here what, what was your thinking yeah the first thing that really caught my eye is that when he um when, when he's talking to the group of lords and and you know telling them that Viserys, uh you know kind of basically changed his mind about who he wanted to be the uh you know succeed him when he died uh from Renair to Aegon uh, a few dropped immediately right so when I see that, I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, the, obviously these people are going to, you know, they're going to do whatever they need to do to, you know, stay on the good side of yeah. the crown, essentially. Um, you know, and then obviously you have a, a, you're going to have a few that, you know, that are, aren't having it. So, and I know one, one Lord says he has to, uh, what was it? He had to consult his house. 
but auto stops him basically immediately saying that, you know, nobody's leaving the room without declaring their intention. That immediately made me think about the council when he's, when he said, no, the door stays locked until we figure out what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you can see, you can see he's kind of, a, he's just kind of a bad dude essentially. Um, and he's obviously power hungry. He's always, he always wants to be that, that person there, but um, yeah. So he said, nobody's leaving a room without declaring, essentially, you know, their intentions to either, you know, kneel or not kneel. So, uh, and then what someone says, uh, I am no, oh, I am no oath breaker, I think is what yeah, it said. Yeah. They're basically keeping uh, their, their allegiance, what they swore to. Yep. Yep. And then the woman says her house keeps its oath to Rhaenyra and is not changing that. So first thing I thought of was, well, all right, let's, let's see some heads roll. Yeah. <laughs> but they did, I, they I, did it just this point. They did just escort them out. But then you right. see there is one lord that is hesitant, right? He seems yep. very hesitant, like he wants to keep his oath, but he decides to kneel at the last minute, and then they kind of say the long live the king. But who is who's up there creeping and watching from afar again? You see Laris. Uh, up yeah, there on the balcony, overseeing. Of course, right? You're just kind of like... And he sees... You know, it's almost like... I mean, I don't know what Otto and everyone else was looking at, but it's almost like they didn't notice that this guy was hesitant. But of course, Laris does. And Laris starts... You know, you you got to imagine, okay, Laris must think something up. But we cut away from there. We're right back into the city. Uh, you've got everyone looking for... Prince Aegon still, who's who's supposed to be king. It cuts back and forth. And where does it take us? I would love for you to kind of jump in here. Tell me your opinion on this ridiculousness of what we're being introduced here. I assume you're talking about Eric and Eric flying around the town there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously they're, they, they're running around with their, they, it almost looks like they were like, current like they they were from the night from the you know the 20 uh 20s here with their man buns and everything else but uh <laughs> but yeah so they're running around trying to find the uh trying to find uh Aegon and uh there was a, a young lady that was following them essentially and um they ended up it, it was what well, basically like a like a like a bull ring right like almost yeah. like a, a cockfighting ring yeah and I, at first i'm i'm like Okay, they're just they have a bunch of kids fighting each other, and then you see that like their 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 teeth are filed down, and and um, I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of weird. Uh, but then you know, obviously peasant children, uh, essentially, and instead of instead of chickens, right, or roosters, that was yeah. Uh, and there's a the little blonde kid in the corner. That that's who you know looks like he was essentially one of. The Targaryens, honestly. Yeah, so uh, you got to assume at this point. I mean, I know that the brothers they say one of Aegon's, and and you, basically you learn that these are uh, at least one, if not multiple, could be bastard children of Prince Aegon. Absolutely. The one, I mean, the kid in the corner, essentially, you know, the kid that was sitting down. I mean, he, I mean, he looked like he was plucked right out of uh, right out of the Targaryen house. So yeah. And and these kids obviously they're it's almost like they're fighting to the death or or mm-hmm. to their life and and even these guys they say I'm a, I I bet that that's probably one of many of Aegon's 
bastard children. And like you said, someone had been following them around. Uh, you, you start to see them keep following around. But before we get to that, again, this, this episode kind of jumps all over the place. It's, it's very slow and methodical, but a lot of stuff starts happening. Now, the Lord that, I can't remember his name right now, but that was hesitant to, to bend the knee, you start seeing him walking through the keep, and he's basically, you assume he's, he's trying to leave. And at first I was kind of like, well... I assume he is just going to go back and, you know, prepare his house for backing Aegon. And you see him kind of walk towards a horse, but then before we get anywhere, it cuts away. So we don't really know what's going to happen. And we go straight back to Aemon and Cole and they start arguing, like we kind of alluded to earlier, uh, about how Aemon is like, no, I should be next in line to the throne. If they come looking for me, I, I intend to be found. Um, and Cole is basically trying to tell him he knows what it's like to kind of be in the shadows. And of course, we knew, we knew that a little bit about Cole as this series goes on. And then it cuts back to the keep where... This lord is on his horse. They're opening the gates. He's about to leave. And you hear Eric talking about uh, the, the, again, it, it, this, this is all, up, all over the place. So it's going from Cole and Amond to Eric and his brother to this lord trying to leave. And they're basically all swearing this oath. Uh, Amond doesn't think his brother's fit to be king. Sir Eric doesn't think his brother's fit to be king. And he's like, he's not fit to be king. Um, or he said, Sir Eric doesn't think Aegon's fit to be king, and he's the one that swore to protect him, and he he doesn't think he's fit to be king. I mean, this this Aegon character is a joke, right? I mean, one episode he's like jerking off outside of a window. <laughs> oh my goodness! The that next was, one, his mom is paying off a handmaiden to and, and giving her this you know morning after tea to mm-hmm. prevent a pregnancy and pays her off, even though clearly her her son just raped her. And all, all this is going on kind of all at the same time. And as the Lord's about to leave, it cuts back. You finally see the woman that has been following Eric and his brother. She says, uh, for a price, I can take you to Prince Aegon. Um, and she basically mentions her mistress. Uh, she doesn't want to meet with servants, but she'll, she'll meet with them. She says, basically, uh, she doesn't really like, she doesn't really understand the hand of the king. She says, you trust him. But, you know, if you want to see Aegon, come with me and I will take you to my mistress and we'll figure it out. Cuts right back to the, to the keep. The gate is completely about to open. He's on his horse. He's about to ride out. And at the last second, the king's guard stops him and he's brought in to Otto. And this guy basically calls out the fact that he assumes that Laris is in charge of this. And Laris is there. They're talking. They're talking about his allegiance. And he's like, I, he's basically like, I bent, I bent the knee. But they, he's, 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 he's trying to say, I don't uh, have any love for the princess. But Otto's like, Otto and Laris are like, okay, then why are you trying to leave? 
in such a hurry? Where where are you going? And what happens with him here, Jason? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what, what I, you know, I guess in this type of, uh, game, in Game of Thrones, what happens to the same, you know, the people who, uh, <laughs> who don't, um, follow the rules essentially. Um, it was, uh, this part kind of, like you said before, it was kind of jumping around a lot. Yeah. And, and I, I had to actually stop and kind of go back a couple times because it was kind of bouncing and, you know, back and back and forth. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, I, I, this part, like I said, it kind of threw me off a little bit. So I, I'll, uh, if you don't mind, I'll throw it back over to you. For yeah, this one. of course. I had to, like I said, I had to rewind it three or four times because it, it was bouncing back and forth a lot. It bounces a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it is, it is a lot of information, even though it's slow, it feels like it's just a lot of talking. It's a lot of stuff going on. Now, of course, as they escort this Lord out, you can only imagine what may or may not be happening to him. They basically call his bullshit for all intents and purposes saying, um, yeah, we don't believe that you're just going home to your house. You're trying to leave so urgently. Uh, Laris is basically calling, pointing out to Otto that, yeah, this guy's going to go alert Rhaenyra, which is what they're, they don't want to happen. They don't want Rhaenyra to know her father has passed. Uh, they're trying to get Aegon King before word gets out of King's Landing at all about the King. So they've got to move really, really quickly. All this is being done in a, within a day. Now, you see, as soon as he gets escorted out, Laris is there with Otto. Otto points out and calls him out how he notices that you've spent many of hours with his daughter, the queen and Laris. We already know he's kind of a snake and he's, he will do whatever he can. I mean, geez, this guy killed his own father and brother to be in charge of his own house, right? Like he had that done. And of course, right now you got to assume the only one that truly knows that is, is the queen. Right. And the way he did it was he made it seem like she wanted him to do it, even though that's not necessarily what she meant. Um, so basically, Laris throws it back to Otto and says, well, all those hours I put in with your daughter, the queen, could also benefit you. And of course, it cuts away. Uh, we see the queen talking as uh, Viserys is being wrapped, you assume at this point, for burning, right? Because he's a Targaryen. Uh, sure. the, the Valerians get returned to the sea. The Targaryens get burned by the dragons. So you got to assume something like that's coming. The queen is just bawling her eyes out, you know, super distraught. Absolutely. Yeah. Super upset. And you can, you see this just, I mean, the actress that plays uh, queen Allison is, is absolutely phenomenal. The first one that they had was phenomenal. This one is just as phenomenal. Uh, I think she does great, and this just kind of really makes you feel for her. Because, again, as a viewer, we know that this whole thing and her whole decision to back her son and is, is not out of spite towards Rainier, which is what it was trending to the previous two or three episodes. This is out of, like, she truly believes, again, that the king, this is what the king, dying breath, this is what he wanted. And she doesn't know about this Targaryen legacy and the dagger and the dream and all that craziness. Now, of course, from here, um, Alicent is finally goes and visits Princess Rhaenys, uh, the queen that never was. Uh, Jason, I'll let you walk us through this scene here as they have their little back and forth and, and kind of what they're going on with. Yeah, so obviously Alicent went and, and, and seen her and, you know, she was obviously upset. Um, and, she, you know, 
what's what's the first thing she wants? She's trying to seek support uh, yeah. from her, obviously, um, because you know they they had backed um, they had backed it for Renera, right? So um, you know they're just the, obviously we knew the kingdom is like super sexist, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, so the best, best thing best thing you can do is kind of steer all the all the men you know toward peace. And so I think, you know, kind of going back to what we said earlier, you know, the first one to get to Aegon was going to be the, the the one who kind of led him down the which path, right? So the good path, or I, the way I read it was a good path or the bad path. Yeah. And I think she wanted to get Rainey's in there because she was, you know, she's a pretty peaceful, seems like a pretty peaceful woman to me anyway. Um, but she doesn't think it's... Um, you know, Renice doesn't think it's very peaceful to be held prisoner either. <laughs> you know, no, away not from, at all. away from, you know, she's doesn't have her dragon, right? So, um, keeping the dragon away and out of everything really made Rhaenyra, um, uh, more likely to negotiate instead of attacking, right? So, I'm kind of going back to Rhaenyra when yeah. she finds out that, you know, um, yeah, because okay. you because if Renice. If Rainey sides with uh, Alicent, and you know, of course, now Alicent offered her to have Driftmark. You can have it. You can pass it on to right. your granddaughters. Uh, yeah. We everyone knows. Everyone knows that Rainier's kids are not your your blood. We, uh, let's just cut the bullshit. We, we're talking plainly. <laughs> everyone right. knows. So you'll be able to pass it on to your granddaughters, whoever you you know, whoever you want. You'll be able to keep Driftmark in your bloodline. And she, and like you said, she basically says. And without Rhaenyra's use of you and your dragon, and then you got to imagine her granddaughter and their dragons, that basically leaves only two dragons. That leaves Rhaenyra's dragon and Damon's dragon. So if they only have two dragons, uh, Allison basically says maybe they're more likely to, you know, yield and give up this succession, and we can do this peacefully. And again, we we see this side of. Allison is really trying to think of every way to to keep this from these people from basically going and killing Rhaenyra. She doesn't want mm-hmm. to kill Rhaenyra. Um, right. But again, she's stuck on this loop of she thinks this is what her husband wanted. Now, I found it interesting because Rhaenys basically calls her out and says, you are much wiser than I ever thought you to be. Which basically, and she kind of says it with a smirk, and you basically you start thinking like, well, she thought the queen was an idiot. Mm-hmm. And I love that I love that she just doesn't call her the queen. She says, you were wiser than you were. And she calls her out and then she calls her by her name. She says, Alicent Hightower. And, and so you get this, you're seeing the lines divided even farther. The greens versus the blacks, the blacks of the Targaryens, the greens of the Hightowers, even though Aegon and them, they're Targaryens. The, you know, Rhaenys isn't stupid. She understands this is a Hightower versus Targaryen. And, and at the end of the day, you got to remember Rhaenys might be married to Valerian, but she is Targaryen. And she basically calls out the queen and says, you want to stay in your prison. You just want to build a window for it. You yield to all these men. And then she kind of calls her out and says, have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? And Allison just kind of has this like fearful look. It's like maybe she... I don't think she necessarily wants the power. Uh, what were your thoughts there? 
Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell if, um, like you said, maybe she didn't, you know, come to, hey, maybe I don't want this. Um, or if it was like her mind was blown, you know, and think, of, oh, well, maybe, maybe I do want this. <laughs> so I didn't know which way, you know, I didn't know which way she was going to go with that when she said that. But yeah, when she said that, I, I immediately, you know, I, I didn't know if maybe she thought because obviously Renice, you know, the queen that never was or whatever, um, you know, she's that's all she's thought about right for it's you know since she got passed over essentially yeah. mm-hmm. and so i thought maybe that was you know have you ever have you never imagined yourself on the iron throne like hey i have have you you know and then like i said i, I couldn't tell if maybe her mind was like she was which way she was going with that like no i don't want it or hey maybe i maybe I, maybe i do want it <laughs> So and then after that is where I, that's where I wondered where they were going to go with uh, with that particular information that they just gave. Yeah. So then we we cut over to we see Otto talking to the white worm, which for those still trying to follow along here is for all intents and purposes, just remember, it's the same woman that was the whore to Damon at the start of this whole season. And she's meeting with Otto basically to negotiate agreeing to tell Otto where Aegon is and Otto's kind of like oh you your white worm because Otto remembers her you got to imagine at this point that his his shocked reaction of her being in charge of the whispers and the whole spider network he remembers her from being Damon's supposed betrothed and she was supposedly pregnant and all that he was there on that bridge where he went to Dragonstone and was going to fight with Damon, which would have been horrible because he doesn't have a dragon. But, um, you know, she... It's all she really wants. She's upset that the cloaks don't... The Kingsguard doesn't... doesn't protect these kids that are forced to fight. She wants control over that. She wants promise of, you know, betterment for the people. And she, she says... Uh, that you know, you, you they basically accept bribes to look the other way, and then she tells for all intents and purposes, she's tells it she's going to tell Otto where Aegon is, but she wants Otto to remember that when you get Aegon, remember that I'm the one that told you where he is, and I could have killed him. I think you know, she says, so when he's king, remember it was me that put him there. And all I could think about was you think about all the times on Game of Thrones where people had a lot of power, but as soon as they relinquished their leverage, their power was gone. Mm-hmm. So she's asking for all this power because she does have leverage right now. But like once they get Aegon, I was like, they have dragons and they have all the, I was like, this can't, this can't be ideal situation. Of course, Otto has to just say, you know, he just has to agree. Did you have any other way to uh, look on this? I mean, I know she she even says at one point, I could have killed him as easily as a wasp on a fruit. I was like, wow. I mean, you're basically threatening the king to be. Yeah, it was, um, it, you know, I I don't know. It, I think, didn't she offer, didn't she... Um, give him like she had she said something about abusive children right in flea yeah like, yeah and because those kids that were fighting like she was upset that that no one was helping stop that that they would take right. bribes to get she rid said, of 
she says she'll find him, but only if, you know, he, they put an end to the abuse, you know, the children in the uh, flea bottom. Yeah. Uh, they're forced to fight. So, yeah. Um, and he obviously promises to look into it, but in my opinion, he had no, there's no, <laughs> he's just, doing, no. he's just saying what he has to say to get Aegon. To get Aegon back. Yeah. So yeah. that, that whole thing, I, as soon as they started, you know, as soon as she started kind of putting that stuff out there, my first thought was, you know, he's not, he don't care about all that. He just wants, yeah. he just, he just wants to take on back. So. Yeah. So then um, we cut to uh, Eric and his brother. They're walking through this area and you've got this, uh, you know, I guess prayer area of lighting of the candles and all that. And they hear coughing and, and they're looking for Aegon, but they don't see him, but they hear the coughing. He's, he's basically stuffed in there and they pull him out. He's asking for the white worm. Then he's asking for his mother and he, they basically are trying to tell him your dad's dead. Right. And people are looking for you. You basically, you're, you're going to be King and he doesn't want it. Right. Like he doesn't want it all. He's basically trying to run away from these guys. He has no desire to have any of this. Uh, and then what happens next? They take him outside. They're basically going to take him back to Otto, right. And to the, to the keep. So what happens from here? Well, you know, good old Cole and Eamon happened to be there at the same time. <laughs> Convenient, right? Yeah, so Eric and Eric, uh, you know, kind of, then you got Eric and, I, it, sorry, it weirds me out, Eric and Eric yeah. and twin. It's the weirdest thing, right? Uh, it's kind of it's slick, though, I like it. Um, but obviously, you know, Eric and uh, um, Kristen kind of get into a little sword fight, which I thought, honestly, was probably one of the weakest sword fights I've ever seen in in Game of Thrones, or the Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, especially knowing Cole's abilities. Exactly, he could have. Yeah, he probably could have just sliced him down with one shot. But I did think it was a pretty weak fight, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so they they sword fight each other on you know on those stairs or whatnot, and kind of Eric uh, hangs back. I think he's at, at the top of the stairs, maybe. And then uh, all that while all that's going on, Amon is wrestling with his brother on the ground, and um, you know who obviously asks, hey. Is my dad really dead? Uh, he says yes, and they're going to make you the king. And, and he sounded very, essentially, pissed off about it. <laughs> it was, there was a lot of distaste there. Uh, and then Aegon spits on him, which I thought, oh boy, he's about to get, you know, he's going to get punched in the face pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, you know, obviously uh, they they kind of swap back, and you know, Cole disarms Eric, knocks the sword out of his hand or whatnot, and and then. They go back and Aegon's pleading with his brother that, you know, he's no ruler and they should find a ship and go away together. And, and Aemon doesn't respond. And, you know, Cole is there to kind of uh, fend off the, uh, the the twins there. And well, well one of the twins. Um, and then he, you know, Cole's there and tells the brother, that, hey, the queen awaits. So let's get out of here. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it kind of at, after that is when you see the other brother at the top of the stairs, just kind of turn around and he just made a beeline out of there, which yeah. I thought was kind of weird. He didn't jump in and help his brother. Yeah. He, he, uh, you start to wonder what he's thinking. Um, because obviously you've got two sides, both looking for Aegon. And like you said, they both want Aegon to be King. They just have different reasons for wanting to get to him first. Now, the very next scene, I found it interesting. This is the first time we see a little bit of conflict here between, the queen and her father, the hand of the king. Um, we go right into the chambers and basically Otto comes right out and says it like, well played. 
you did good. And she's like, this is not a game. And he's like, but yeah, you, you're, you are playing the game. And Otto is confused. Cause he's like, I see, he knows we used to be on the same team and I feel like we're not on the same team. And Allison's basically like, I don't, I don't understand what, what you're doing. Like she looks at this, like, from her point of view, again, we I keep saying this, but Viserys wanted Aegon to be king. That's the only reason she's doing it. She truly believes that's what her husband wanted with his dying breath. But Otto's playing this game, and he wants to eliminate Damon. He wants to eliminate Rhaenyra. Like, he, he wants them killed. And Allison doesn't want to play that game. She just wants to make Aegon king. She wants to be able to talk to Rhaenyra. She wants to be able to work it out and explain what her father wanted. And from... You got to imagine from Allison's point of view, she truly believes if she could have this conversation that Rhaenyra would understand. But what's interesting yeah. as a viewer, we're all like, if you tell Rhaenyra what her father said as he was dying, Rhaenyra is going to be able to say, okay, he wasn't talking about your son, Aegon. Let me show you the dagger and let me explain to you. You got to imagine that's going through everybody's head, right? Yeah, Um Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's trying to, I mean, obviously Allison's trying to avoid war and, uh, you know, having, having her people essentially wiped out, you know, again, we talk about the dragons and stuff like that. So um, going back just a second though, but Otto, yeah, I thought it was with Otto. He tried to give her the whole, uh, the whole ends justify the means speech there. Yes. And then, you know, she, she basically, she's reluctant to murder people. And and that she she doesn't think that it's a sign of weakness that she doesn't want to murder everyone that you know stands in her way or um, or that you know doesn't want to conform essentially. So um, and I do feel like she's maybe felt like she's a um, like if it's you know I don't know chess you know she's been a game piece essentially and she's been moving around all of her life you know yeah um, and she it, look how she married Sarah essentially right so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think, um, yeah, I, I just think she wants to avoid, obviously avoid war with Renera at all at all costs, and they go back a long way. And so, yeah, I think you're right that maybe she just wants to, hey, if I can sit down and talk, you know, maybe we can avoid all this all this craziness. Yeah, no, I, I mean it's funny. Uh, what are your well? Everyone listens to the show; they know they know Ender's thoughts on Otto. Um, what are your thoughts? I would love to hear your thoughts just on Otto as a character and in general. You like him? You hate him? Well, yeah. I mean, he's obviously. I mean, he's been kind of a slimy, slimy guy from the very beginning. I thought um, he comes across as like a, just a quiet, nice man that's getting older and just kind of moving on or whatnot. But, mm -hmm. but that's obviously he he wants power as much power as he can get, and he he'll do anything essentially to, to get that power. Um, and it all started with, you know, moving essentially his daughter into the, uh, you know, being the queen. And I mean, he pimped out his own daughter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what he did. Yeah, so, um, but no, I, yeah, I think he's a slime. I think he's a slime. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It again, Ender, it, Ender it, hates him. Ender yeah. loses his mind. He's like, cause Ender has a daughter. And every time that Otto acts like this, he just, his father's side comes in. Right. And he just, <laughs> he's like, are you kidding me? Like this guy is the worst. Yeah. He's not, I don't, yeah, he's definitely not a, a good dude. 
So we cut to the next scene, and of course, we've got to have our very classic, some sort of sexual scene, right? In every episode of a Game of Thrones series, HBO. Wow. Um, there are just some scenes that stand out, right? Like you got to imagine the Game of Thrones, the breastfeeding scene with like what seemed to be like a 15 year old was, was creepy. There's a number that of other weird. scenes. There's been a couple <laughs> of weird ones. Uh, this this season as, as well, there's been a couple of weird ones. But I think this scene is going to stand out to me as the the creepiest um, scene, right? I mean, it has to. Like, this was... This just really solidifies this this character. So, of course, we cut to the Queen's Chamber. She, she goes back, and you can see she's just like... She just looks like a woman that is, like, over it, right? She just wants a moment to herself. Like, let me just decompress. Let me have some peace and quiet. Let me Let me just have some wine and just, like stop thinking for five minutes and have quiet. But of course, as she's, she's starting to get ready, we hear your grace and we can see that it's Laris. And she just takes this big sigh. Like, are you effing kidding me? Like, bro, I do not want to talk to you now. Of course he reluctantly says, uh, I have some information that I thought you should know. He goes to sit down in the chair. She decides to sit across from him and of course, she immediately kind of pulls up her dress a little bit, puts her feet up on the stand, takes her shoes off. It kind of goes back and forth. Laris says, uh, I have some things that might interest you. And he he basically, what's what I found funny is he just left Otto saying that I can help you. Now she decides to tell the queen about the spider network and that her father basically knows that everything is existence, but he leaves it in place because he uses it. She has, sometimes I just think like, have you opened your eyes at all in the kingdom to notice anything? So he basically calls out the fact that this is there. And as this is going on, of course, Allison eventually takes off her shoes. She's starting to rub her feet. And Laris eventually tells Allison that, um, Talia, her handmaiden, is the main spy and the Red Keep. She she relays everything in this spider network and that her father knows. So it's like, uh, I guess, would you say he's trying to pit them against each other right now? Yeah, definitely. That's what I that's what I think. I think he's trying to break up a break up the I don't know if you call him a family, but yeah, pit, um, you know, father and daughter against one another and. Um, I guess he'll go with whichever one wins. Essentially, um, that's that's what I that's what I I got from it anyway. Just yeah. kind of have to, and hey, I'm telling you this and telling you that, and then whoever wins, I'm I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> All right, Jason, I'm going to give you the uncomfortable uh, funness here. <laughs> so what happens? You know, you don't have to go into full detail. You can kind of allude to it. But but what happens is we start to see Allison uh, is starting to think about all this. She's rubbing her feet. What is going on here? So I, I don't know why, but but when she sat there and she took her shoes off, I thought first of all I thought that was kind of weird, yeah, um, because it just I don't know with with the times or what I don't know I just thought it was weird, and then when she takes her socks off, I'm like, okay. I don't, I don't know why, but I could not pay any, I couldn't pay any attention to what was going on. 
that I, I, I was just, and I'm not, because the way they're, it's not like it's subtle in the background. The camera is focused on her feet, right? It's so right on her feet. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she kind of moved, like she, you know, adjusted her body to kind of, you know, the op, I don't know, she was facing him and she moved away from him. And when she put her feet up and just kind of exposed her feet and her legs, and then you kind of see, you know, what he decides he's doing in the background. Yeah, he decides and, um, to play a little little pocket pool. He's playing. Yeah, uh, uh, he's got a foot. Uh, Laris, has, Laris has a foot fetish. Yeah, um, I, I, but he's I, full, he fully goes for it. Yeah, I mean he's going all for it, and 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 I'm thinking, what the hell? Am, I mean, this is Game of Thrones, so <laughs> typical fashion, right? And I'm like, you know, nothing. It, I'm, it, I, it pains me that stuff doesn't it doesn't bother me in the show anymore. <laughs> and I think that came from game of Thrones where you have just massive amounts of incest and stuff like that. And you're just, I don't know. I don't want to send, you know, cold to it, but you know, in terms of this show, I am. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so I'm, I'm thinking she's doing this obviously to get what she wants. Right. She knows. And the whole time she's like closing her eyes, like, Oh my God, what am I hearing? Um, so I, I think it, yeah, it's good. You know, Hey, he's telling you, Hey, I'm, I'm giving you what you want if you give me what I want. And I, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he mentioned to her in past episodes that what he wants, I definitely did not think it was a foot fetish. I thought it'd be more power, no. but apparently this is what he, he gets he gets <laughs> off to. But okay, so we're going to speed up uh, pretty quickly here because a lot of stuff happens in the last 15 minutes of this episode. So we kind of pan away. We see Aegon uh, having some sort of gravy meal or something. It looks like he's trying to sober up. Um, and then it cuts to Princess Renice, and the other Eric finally walks in, basically says, I can't stand for this treachery. I need to get you out of here. We need to escape. She says, I can't escape, yada, yada. He says, no, come with me. So he kind of wraps her up. Now, what I found interesting here, they walk through this room where you see the Lord that we saw before. He's He's been hung so, well, yeah. so for treason. So uh, that's interesting, but immediately this room looks familiar and that's because for those that watch game of thrones this is the map room that um circe makes where she draws the big map of westeros all on Mm -hmm. the floor and that so that's why that room looks familiar to a lot of people so they they escape through that and she immediately says to eric uh i need to go to the dragon pits to get my dragon and he says no that's that's where they'll they'll look for you uh, we're going to go out through Blackwater, so we're going to escape. Now, as they're leaving, they're going through the town. Um, it's the next morning, of course, and the whole they run into like a crowd, right? And everyone's kind of getting ushered, and they go down one path, and people are being ushered towards them. They go down another path, people are being ushered towards them. Uh, then they're kind of all stuck in the middle. You realize that the King's Guard is is basically getting all of King's Landing mm-hmm. ushered. They're hurting everyone to to some place. We're not exactly sure. Um, you hear the bells start tolling. Uh, you see the uh, queen is with her son Aegon in the king's chariot, I guess is what you call it there. And they're going through the city. And this is finally uh, the time that you realize why Alicent wanted to get to Aegon first, right? So they have a conversation in this in this carriage. Uh, you want to break this down real quick on kind of what this conversation is about? 
yeah, so it, it looked like he was really, uh, I don't know, what do you want to call him? Just worn out, despondent, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, complains, you know, he, he was talking about how his dad never never wanted him to be king. And, and Allison said, obviously, that's not true. He changed his mind. And he thinks his father never never liked him, which was, you know, um, Yes, is what it was. But uh, he laughs uh, at one point. I, I thought it was funny when Allison suggests that the king uh, used his dying breath to choose him, and he kind of laughed like, yeah. "No, it's not." No, um, but then she, you know, they kind of pan the camera down in between the two, and and he opens. She opens up the little box, and that's the uh, the family dagger. And uh, I think he knew that's when it was, uh, I guess, serious business, and it was, yeah. you know, um, his whole kind of mood kind of changed. And then uh, she asked him not to rule with cruelty, and I thought, yep, that that's exactly, yep, that's why. That's she why. That's get, why she wanted to get to him first, right? Yep, because obviously her dad is not. You know, he's kind of like I said before, he's kind of a slimy guy. So, um, yeah, you get to him and take him down the wrong path, and you know, God knows what happens. Yeah. So. Well, she even tells him. She point blank says, "Your grandfather is going to want you to kill Rhaenyra, and you must not do this." Right. Yeah. And what I find interesting about giving him the dagger, of course, we know as audience members that that dagger has a secret message on it. They don't know that Queen Allison doesn't know there's a message on there. And of course, Aegon doesn't know this either. So here this dagger is finally getting passed down to someone that doesn't know the purpose of the dagger or the meaning of the dagger. They have no idea this is on there. Um but she again, she she impresses upon him that the council between because of his her his grandfather, the council is going to insist on this and that you must reject it, uh, and that we can't rule like you said we can't rule with cruelty. And I thought it was interesting because what's the last thing? Do you remember the last thing that Aegon asked his mother? Um, if 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 she loves him, right? Was it, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he wants to know if he wants to know if she loves him. And you see this like genuine, she basically says, you imbecile, and she smiles with a smirk. <laughs> right. Like, like yeah. you see this like genuine mother-son bonding moment. And I thought that was yeah. interesting. Now, of course, it cuts out of the the carriage and they're going through and the, the crowd is blocked and Renice now has been split up with Eric. And now all of a sudden the guards are, after after the, the wagon goes by, the guards start ushering everyone. And you realize that they're taking him to the big dragon uh, above the dragon pit, the big arena, which is the largest place that you can house all these people. You can get them in. It's basically essentially an arena, which is, you know, basically the inauguration. This is where they're going to make Aegon King. Now, again, this is another place that vaguely might look familiar to people that are the casual watcher, because this is the place that when, Daenerys finally gets to King's Landing and they have their big council meeting in that pit that is completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. This is it. They're they're there. They're, you know, of course everything the Coliseum area uh, of it is is kind of busted and there's no dragons in in the pit at that point. Um but all the people start getting ushered in. Once they get in, Otto basically starts this commencement speech, announces to the city that their beloved king is dead. Um, but they say it's also the most joyous day because as his spirit left us, uh, he has decided that Aegon will be king. And at first you're kind of like, Ooh, these people aren't going to like it, but you got to remember that it's very sexist. Like you said earlier, as we talked about this, uh, mm-hmm. so the crowd, the, the people are, are happy. 
They're getting another male king. Um, I, I think that they're happy because it's male. I don't think that they're happy because they think he's going to be a great king. I think it's just their mind is so warped to being that it can't be. There's no way they were going to follow a female. So obviously, I, I think that's the only reason they're happy. Um, of course, the king guard walks through. They do their whole halting thing. You've got the trumpets. And finally, you see Aegon dressed out completely in black. He starts this walk through the king's guard uh, very ceremoniously. Uh, he gets up to the kind of the, the throne area that they're setting up um, here above the dragon pit. And Otto's kind of announcing everything. The, the new king, yada, yada, yada. He's putting all this and he goes up the stairs. Now, do you, Jason, do you feel like he, Aegon is changing here as he's seeing this? Do you get a sense yeah. that he's starting to evolve a little bit? Yeah, and it, it, I think you're, yeah. It, it started with the dagger and then it just kind of in that whole, and then as he's walking through, he seemed to like he hated it already. He had that look on his face like just, mm. I no, this ain't for me. But then when the crowd started getting into it and you could tell they were supporting this whole thing, I think that's immediately. And I think it was that. And then his family was up there. Right. And he's crowned and they're, you know, they're nodding their heads and they're, you could tell that they're anointing him or whatnot. That's when he, that's when the whole thing changed. You know, he, he, he felt it. He, he absolutely, uh, he felt the power, I believe. The power. <laughs> you yeah. want to say that? Yeah. He feels yeah, the power th- of the family and all the members bowing to him. Yeah. I th- I mean, as part of his reason for not wanting to be king, I mean, he, he for 20 years, as his father never said he would be the heir. So he just kind of had this woe is me, this pity me, I'm nothing. And now all of a sudden, you've got all of King's Landing chanting your name, yep. and he's got the sword, and he's wave and everything now in the middle of all this you see Rhaenys Princess Rhaenys she disappears and she goes down below and you've got to assume at this point she's I I kind of assume okay she's going down to the dragon pit she's going to get her dragon she's going to fly away right like she's going to get away she's going to be able to go talk to Rhaenyra and of course they cut back up to Aegon (laughs) and all I could think was laughing because they they put this you know they do the thumb across the forehead and I was like oh it's Simba Simba yeah (laughs) (laughs) I immediately thought Lion King um but of course this you know they do their little oath that they say and and uh they put the crown on his head and and you know he kind of looks at his whole family like you said then the crowd goes crazy he's pumping the sword into the air and like you said you feel this power now I'm gonna let you kind of bring us home because this is where this episode just to me this solidified where I think this is the best episode of the season so far. Uh, walk us through kind of what happens in these last moments here. So yeah, obviously he's he's standing there and he's feeling it, right? I mean, you could tell he just changed. He's feeling it. He's he's pumping it into the air, or whatnot, and you, you know he he loves the attention. That's what I got. Like he okay, mm-hmm. all attention's on me for a change. Absolutely, yeah. You know I don't have you know older sister, younger siblings, whatever, to take all the attention away. This is my time. And then all of a sudden, you've seen this, essentially an explosion. Obviously, it wasn't <laughs> fire. Like yeah, that, but it was just a big, just a bubble of just bricks and, and, and debris or whatever flying everywhere. 
and obviously a dragon comes up out of the out of the floor and that's when it clicked immediately oh she went and got her uh she went and got her uh red dragon to, um, yeah. to grab the party and i think yeah obviously lots of people probably died crushed by rocks uh probably hit by oh the that's almost like how many people did she just kill coming up right. to that floor and then right. on, on top of it um i immediately thought i go oh there's another another future thing that that helena sensed because she talked about a bit a beast was beneath the floor and this was that moment so what happens at this point because i i listen bro i'm i'm on the edge of my seat at this point i'm I'm sitting up i was kind of getting tired i'm sitting up i'm i was pumped i was like okay we're gonna you know because i haven't read all the books i don't know everything that supposedly happens in the books i don't know the end game for everybody so i'm i'm like man rainice is about to she about to mess everybody up so what do you what do we got from here so the dragon, obviously, you know, again, it blasted up through there, and then you see kind of the outline or whatever. And in original, like for a split second, for a split second, um, I thought Renera for just a split second, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's Renee. She's going home. Yeah. <laughs> but she wanted to make a grand exit, right? So she made a grand entrance, and then she made a grand exit. But she popped up, and then um, she kind of the dragon kind of leans way in. And and the queen kind of steps in front of her of her son, obviously. And when it drew its breath, I thought, "Oh, is, is this it? Like, she's really going to cook the whole? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's really going to cook was, the whole the whole I'm family?" I'm literally, dude. I'm literally, I knew that Ender had texted me, so I knew that he had just finished the episode, so he was ahead <sighs> of me, so I knew he was done. And as Rainice is sitting on top of this dragon. I'm literally texting him in all caps, Dracarys, she's going to do it. Yep. She's going to burn this whole damn family. Like, yep. she's going to end it. And then, like you said, this dragon pulls its, takes this deep breath, opens its mouth, and what happens here? And obviously, Allison kind of closed her eyes, right? She's like, oh, here we go. Time to time to burn. She stood in front, she was standing in front of her son, and I, it seemed like to me they were, she was just, all right, whatever happened, I can't yeah. survive. I'm ready to die. Um, but instead, I, I he just the, gra- the dragon just kind of gave him like a side eye, dirty look, and yeah, he so does they, this big growl, no fire, <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, so obviously, so did Rainice, and uh, with no fire, obviously, and and you know she could have smoked them all to send a message, but I think she was just kind of flaunting her power at that point, like mm-hmm. hey, in this particular moment, I am in charge, um, and then. You kind of see, they kind of pan from you know to the outside, and you see uh, Renice and her dragon jumping out of the building and and kind of flying away, and then fade to black essentially. Um, yeah, that's it. You gotta imagine she's she's flying to Dragonstone, right? Uh, I would guess to to go talk to Damon and and Rhaenyra. But I was just my heart was was pounding the blood was blood was boiling and and i was so ready for this just like epic dracarys moment where and then it just didn't happen i've never been so deflated but uh you know obviously it wasn't in the cards there but i'm just thinking man there's so many times that when you look back at at game of thrones i'm like if the person would have just done this if they would have done a instead of b we wouldn't be in this situation that we are in like this whole thing started because the king didn't marry Lyanna. 
Right. If he would have taken Liana from the beginning, I know she was like eight years old, but <laughs> but none of, we wouldn't be in any of this situation. None of this happens. It's just Tell it's you. just it's mind boggling. And, and this is another thing you got to imagine. There's just going to be this big battle between Rainier and Damon and the and the High Towers and and um, Rainey's had this opportunity to wipe to wipe them all out. Right there, so. Yeah. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, so that kind of brings us, obviously that brings us to the end. Like you said, we fade to black there. Uh, so that that's the end of the episode. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. We've got the finale next Sunday night. So we will get out our next episode for you guys um, either Monday morning or Tuesday morning. Uh, Jason and I will record that, that final episode and, and bring you guys home here. But uh, just want to say thank you guys for listening. We're still up on on some of the top rankings on Apple Podcast and Spotify, so we appreciate everyone listening here. Don't forget, if you are watching this on YouTube, for whatever reason, you can find the audio versions on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcast or wh- wherever you get your, your podcast platforms. Of course, we are Last Choice TV Reviews, uh, House of the Dragon. And uh, if you're listening to the audio version, you can look us up on Last Choice Network on YouTube or just kind of put in uh, Last Choice TV Reviews, House of the Dragon. You'll be able to find the video version of that there. With that being said, uh, my name is James III. You can find me on all social media platforms there. Of course, I do stream on Facebook Gaming as well. And then we have uh, Jason here at Fire the Cannon. Jason, one more time, I'm going to let you kind of close close it out here on where people can find you uh, besides this. And and maybe if you want to let some of the audience know a little bit more about the sports podcast and what your plans are going forward with it. Yeah, so obviously it's uh, at 614 and beyond. Uh, that's, that's the podcast, the 614 and beyond pod. Um, you know, we obviously, we big hockey guy, obviously. Blue Jackets, you know, um, but, you know, we'd like to talk about as much as we can, uh, obviously with the you know Cleveland uh, uh, Guardians in the playoffs, kind of not really haven't really touched on them a lot, but I was rooting, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our, our, our plan is to just keep uh, the keep going, talking about the hockey season, um, probably going to enter in the next couple of days, got a game tomorrow. So probably Wednesday, just kind of do a, a brief catch up on the on the first four or five games of the season. Uh, also with the Ohio State Buckeye football team, that's uh, my first love, really. Oh, same um, here, yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's right, I up. So, yeah, I did a uh, like a quarter or I guess a third uh, season kind of breakdown, just go over some stats, stuff like that. So um, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. Um, I, you know, we're, I'm working on some uh, working on some things with uh, with a few uh, with a few companies um, to maybe get some, uh, you know, sponsorships and stuff like that. We got, nice. I work with, I work with a brewery who created our own beer for our fan group, uh, with the blue jackets, uh, which sold out opening night, by the way. Hey, uh, congratulations. And you still never <laughs> yeah. answer me how I get that delivered here in Texas. Well, wait, okay. So two things. One, <laughs> you're not the only one that's asked for about Texas. Um, we actually have a former professional baseball player that is from the Columbus area that is a big fan of the Blue Jackets, and he wants some too. So I'm going to talk to Endeavor Brewing. That's who uh, who made the beer for us, and see what we can do about. Now, does that does that former baseball player live in the Dallas area? He does. Yeah. See, so what you should do is ship it all to me, and then I'll I'll drive it out to them, hand deliver hey. on behalf of the six one four pod. 
Yeah, he would probably uh he'd probably be down for it, but I'm not sure how the you know whole shipping of beer and stuff like that works. So I want to get with uh get with Endeavor first and talk yeah, to them absolutely. and maybe we just ship it straight out from them. But uh but yeah, we're also working with a local um uh pizza place here who is you know, they're they're throwing pizza parties for us, uh the blue jacket fans and 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 doing some cool stuff there. So we're uh I got I got some stuff going on, so uh no, I, I hope, I'll, I'll probably talk about it more in, in, in the pods and stuff like that. So uh, I'll be trying to I'll be trying to put out a few uh, here in the next week or so. And uh, you guys can check it out. 614 and Beyond. I am on Fire the Cannon on Twitter. It's F1RE the Cannon. And um, there you go. Well, Jason, we appreciate it at Fire the Cannon. You have been awesome. I look forward to recording with you uh, next week as well as we watch the season finale. And for everyone else, thank you guys for listening and stopping by and watching us on YouTube. And until next week, have a good night.